1: Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Jeremy Wall.
2: And I'm Rob Enough, and we're back again, Jeremy and I. It's a little bit of a catch-up episode. We've got a lot of announcements that we wanted to uh, spend a few minutes chatting about.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like a little check-in.
2: Exactly. But before we get there, let's uh, chat about the hobby. I know you've been busy painting Basilan. What's go- going, in, going on in your hobby desk?
1: So I've been working on the Spearman. I'm doing a sort of like modified assembly line i know we've talked about on the show before and just i know in your own hobby experience people always tell you when you're painting units you should do assembly line style where you it's like i'm gonna paint every boot on this like all 25 of my guys and then i'll paint all their faces and then and i understand from a speed standpoint that you get units so done so much faster that way but i just like never could bring myself artistically to do it but I've been working on this, uh, uh, tr- really trying to get the Baselian project done so I can move on and do something else. And really, I kind of have a couple elements I want to do. I want to do finish the spear infantry horde to have it in the game, but also just for the army. I want to have one horde of human infantry, just so if I ever need a horde of human infantry, you know, for whatever project, I have something done. And it like fits, you know, fits my theme. So I was like, well, I'm going to try the assembly line process as much as I can and just see, just try it. And what I've kind of come from it is, I guess you'd call it a modified assembly line, where I'll sit down and be like, I'm going to paint boots. But I won't necessarily paint every single boot on all of them. Maybe I'll paint eight boots or 12 boots. But when I get tired of painting boots, I don't pick one model and just paint it to completion. I go, now I'm going to paint cloaks. And then I just try to paint cloaks for as long as I can mentally handle it. And then it's like, okay, I'm tired of doing that. So let me paint hair. And then I'll go to painting hair on as many of them as I can. So it's kind of like not a full assembly line, but it's trying to get as much assembly line as I can. And so far it's it's coming pretty good. I think I've been making some good progress getting like, I think I will get it done. Uh, finished early. One thing I was trying to figure out was what kind of hair I wanted to do because none of them have helmets in the spear horde. And hair is always like a tricky thing, right? Because you want to have some variety but have it not be too crazy. Uh, when you do infantry hordes, Rob, do you like to like sprinkle in different um, hair colors, or do you, will you just pick like one or two?
2: I'm all over the place. I mean, I have, okay. I mean, I have Clan Blazing Beard from back in the day in Warhammer Fantasy, which is every single dwarf was a ginger. <laughs> so like, I I've done that, and then you know I've got Wars of Chaos armies where it's a mix of blacks and yellows and reds and stuff. I, I typically what what I'm doing more more uh, currently. What I'm doing currently is just mix it in. So, you know, you mentioned the, the assembly line. I can't, like, do an assembly line. Like, here's 20 guys. I'm going to paint paint all of this one thing. Because what happens is I, I find that I my quality slips, right? And, like, especially if I'm trying to do good, reasonable blends, I don't, I, I don't do a very good job. So I try to limit it to, like, three or four, five guys at the most per uh per go and and if like i have a big unit i'll take the say i have four guys with the same pose i will paint all of those guys at the same time and typically what i'll do is i'll when i batch paint them i'll i'll do all that hair in that one batch the same color and then maybe the next batch i'll do another color to your point you know i want to make it look realistic in that they've got multiple hair colors whether white black red gray whatever um but i also want it to look good too so um there's a few hair colors that i've got kind of like my recipes dialed in, uh, red being one of them.
1: <laughs> well, I have to talk to you because I've been wanting to do, I, I wanted to do red or like a red strawberry blonde. So what I decided to do is I was like Googling it, right? Because I'm, I think I'm going to do like three or four hair colors and they're, and they're tied into the colors of the flowers on the base. And then the colors in the like stained glass that I have. So I'm trying to tie all those colors together. So I have like a blonde and I do it. The, um, I guess gwa where i start with um zandri dust and then paint with like highlight with a bleach bone so it's not like it's blonde but not yellow blonde you know more like um tan sandy blonde and then i was gonna do brown brown's pretty easy a couple blacks and then i was gonna do red and what i saw uh a lot of people online were doing tutorials where when they do red they start with sort of a brown orange and then work their way up from that. So that's sort of what I'm experimenting with is starting with like a – I'm starting with orange leather, which is a scale color, which is sort of a desaturated brown-orange. And then I just add a little like lighter orange into it and then maybe do a little kind of reddish wash or whatever. What's your red recipe?
2: So, I mean, I guess I've got like three different style reds that I, that I use. Um, one is if you're going with like that Slayer color you know, uh, I think we all know how to paint the Slayer hair. Um, but in terms of, if I want just an actual reddish tint to it, I will, uh, I have a triad that is, um, it starts with a, the base of a- auburn shadow, uh, and then carrot top red, uh, and then highlight orange. So it's, it gives you a reddish orange hair color, but it does pop. Now I will say the highlight orange, you've got to be you got to be restrained because if you go too much, it'll, you know, look like a cartoon character. Uh, but my really, my favorite go-to for a reddish Brown is, uh, again, a Reaper triad. It starts with a russet Brown as the base color harvest Brown as the, uh, the next highlight, uh, and then orange Brown. and, And what that gives you is it's, it's Brown, but it's got just a hint of red. Uh, and so if you do a more traditional Brown hair color, uh, you can tell the difference
1: because I'm looking at it right now, and the harvest brown looks like a little darker, but of the same sort of tone as the orange leather, right? As as a, as a more desaturated orange brown. Whereas the triad you just talked about was a little bit more like like extreme. Yeah, exactly. Like You're
2: absolutely right. So the the, har- the the russet brown and the harvest brown and the uh, orange brown that that's a triad that is very desaturated and very uh, I'm going to call it. Uh, earth Tony it's <laughs> the best way I can describe mm-hmm. it a realistic natural
1: whereas right, realistic, yeah exactly.
2: yeah, and, and then the other one which is the Auburn shadow uh carrot top red which I mean the name says it all on highlight orange that is more cartoonish <laughs> right so and in fact that's the triad I use for the Auburn color on my uh my my halfman so it's a spot color that I use for that so um but yeah you know hair is awesome hair and skin I love to um try different colors and i like to you know it's cool to have you know skin tones of like olive complexion or african-american or
1: yeah variety
2: yeah it just it just makes it look more realistic if you've got a wider range uh in both the skin and hair color
1: Yeah, i've never been great at hair so i had signed up actually for one of the master classes at adepticon last year that got canceled i had signed up for a hair tutorial um He's going to have a lot of painting stuff. And and I definitely was, and I'm going to uh, uh, 2022. It's like I'm starting my Adepticon Vendor Hall savings account <laughs> like, like right now, more than a year out because I know it's going to be like, okay, Rob, you know when you were a kid, they kept doing the competitions where you could sign up and you'd get like 20 minutes in Toys R Us to fill your cart. With as, much, with as much stuff. So it's like I'm imagining running through like Adept- the Adepticon showroom with like a shopping cart just filling it with stuff because I, I really wanted to hit the Reaper booth. Um, so I'm definitely going to want to pick up some more um, Reaper paints. Um, uh, I tend to like to water down my paints. So I know the Reapers are uh, thin paint, and I know a lot of people love them like yourself. So I definitely want to try them out more.
2: Yeah, they have a lot of flow aid in the, in, right out of the bottle.
1: Paint in a lot of glazes and thin layers, so to me, that like paint style, I think uh, would you say fits to sort of if you like to paint in thin layers, that's a good paint line.
2: Yeah, I mean the paint range was created by Ann Forrester, right? And if you see her paint style, I think it, you're describing what you're you know that thin layer. Uh, I think is the you know it's it's much it's 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 more easier it's easier to to achieve with the Reaper stuff. Now I'm I'm haven't really used the scale seventy five uh, at length yet, but how does that compare? Is that also relatively thin
1: it's thicker but it's it's very pigment rich so in in thinning it down you don't get breakage at all you know the um the chemistry as you thin down paint right the molecules of the pigment begin to separate and that's where you get little like almost it looks like dirt in your paint as you thin it down but the scale 75 stuff um has is really pigment rich so it's it thins really well it's got really nice like um flat smooth coverage um so of the paint lines it's one of my favorites but i really love for all my grays the neutral grays so like the uh i guess you would say that not the blue grays but just the neutral gray triad for reaper i really love i use that for my stone um so reaper has been one of those paints that i really want to experiment more with but of what i've tried um i really like scale 75 but the more i paint rob the more i find that it's like I, I i like a line but when it comes to paint i'm obsessive i just want to buy it all because it's like i'll like you know i like the brown from this line i love like Xandry dust that gw paint i love it's like my base coat for all my uh, lions and my yellow hair and all that, just that particular color i really love so it's kind of like i want every single paint but usually it's i like certain things from certain lines yeah, for me, for
2: me, uh, Reaper is just the the convenience, right? So, Anne Forrester's already put these things in triads, right? So they, she's already put paints that work together, you know, from a base, you know, a, a shadow, a base, and a highlight, and it just for those uh, for those folks that that may not feel like they're artistically into it, or, you know, maybe don't have as good a handle on the color wheel. Uh, it just, it just facilitates faster painting, right? Because you literally can just pick up a triad and it's got all three colors to make it work.
1: And you buy them in like blister packs of three paints too, right? Where, so it's like super convenient.
2: Right. And, and also most of the triads, I should say, you know, are usually numbered. So all the paints are numbered and like, they're usually sequential. So like the Russet Brown's 199 and Harvest Brown is 200 and... 201 is the orange brown but yeah you can buy them in a blister pack or what i do is i buy go to adepticon and it's like 100 bucks and you get like i don't know 35 paints in a big case and what i do every year is i just buy a bunch of paint that i don't already have i'm gonna do that like you said and just keep buying it and you know mike at the war room is bringing in scale 75 so i'm gonna be you know uh going hard in just scale 75 as well
1: all their leather colors are really good they have an orange leather a red leather and a black leather the black leather is almost like plum has a little bit of like reddish tones but all those leather colors i like i started using the black leather as my base coat for all of my leather and you get this nice plum sort of rich brown black leather so those definitely are some of the the colors that i really like from them as like all their leather colors um, so I'm always like, you know, brown and leather is one of those things. I just, for whatever reason, I always wait to paint that at the very end and like, I don't care about it. So I've been trying to, to, you know, be a little bit more interested in painting the leather and not just have it be like the afterthought, you know,
2: leather for me is usually like, Oh, saddlebags. Okay. Um, I finished everything else. And it's like the last thing I'm doing. Exactly. And so sometimes I don't feel like I'm spending as much time on it as I should.
1: It's the last thing I always tend to do in models. And it's like the one on the home stretch where I don't put the enough energy into it. So I'm trying to kind of. Think about leather, not just being brown, but leather being like different pieces. It's true, right? Leather sometimes always sort of has a hint of color in it.
2: I've always liked to experiment, trying to add texture.
1: Mm -hmm. And Leather's a good one to do that, right? To do all the wear, like leather cracks and stuff like that.
2: So what's after the spearman?
1: Okay. So after the spearman, I have to finish two troops or two regiments of Elohi. But thankfully, the five models I'm using for that were going to be in the second horde when I was going to run the formation. Uh, back in second edition so those five that i'm splitting up into two regiments one's going to have three and one's going to have two they were already had some work done on them thankfully so um after i do this pyramid i'm going to finish up those two regiments of elohi and then at that point everything that i have assembled for my basileans will be painted at that point so I think it's a nice place to stop. Like I'm trying not to stop painting that army and go to something else, when I still have stuff like assembled and half painted, you know? So I'm really trying to get those three units done um, so that I can think about moving on um, to my next project. How many points does that bring your
2: Vaseline army
1: to? Ooh, actually like a good amount because I took 2,500 to Alamo. And I had stuff a left over, so I'm pro- probably going to be a- over three thousand points.
2: Oh, that's that's a good that's a good amount. It gives you some variety.
1: I have some choices. You know, it will give me the two night regiments, spearmen, a whole bunch of characters, a dragon. It will give me ogre infantry. It will give me, um, Elohi and horde, or regiment size. Yeah, so it, it will give me, like you said, uh, I feel like at that point I, I'm at a good spot to stop that project for and move on to something else. Okay. That's what I've been working on. What about you, Rob? What have you been up to?
2: Well, I have the half men. I just took them to an event. That was a uh, 1995. We have lone wolf coming up, uh, which is, I, I guess around 2300. So I'm looking at what I can add to that army. So I think the obvious ad is I've got to finish the, um, the general on a wing beast, which I've started, which is, a uh, the Atlantis miniatures Griffin with a, uh converted Westphalia miniatures winged Hussar Rider.
1: I love Atlantis Miniatures, man. They
2: Yeah, Atlantis Miniatures monsters are great, right? So I'll definitely do that. And then, you know, it's weird because like once I do that, uh it leaves me with 105 points, I think. Which it just turns out like I have two two different options. One is I could do a regiment of, of uh halberds or I could do a horde of militia mob and so i'm kind of like i i realized one of them is probably the ideal situation you know how is it taking our cannon <laughs> but like uh, that's not me that's not my style so i want something i, I want another another unit uh, and i'm just uh, going back and forth and and right now i'm leaning towards the militia mob because west made this uh back in the day like their first breakfast kickstarter they had uh like a collection of six different essentially their peasant peasant levy right and there's six different um poses and then on top of that i I got a bag of um six like villagers so there's like a dude drinking smoking a pipe and drinking a beer and another guy just standing there so for the militia mob what i'm thinking i'm going to do is basically have this big horde base and on this rock in the middle, I'm going to have a dude holding a big banner and a couple, of, like, actual leaders, and then the rest of the unit, a bunch of just the half-men standing around kind of going, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I, I started to think about, you know, how I could maybe have, you know, the Horde base is pretty big, so maybe tell multiple stories, you know, in, like, pockets, right? Like, so that center point would be, okay, we have this heroic standard bear swinging this big flag uh, and getting everybody mustered up and ready to go, and then, and then maybe we have a keg in the back corner where the dude, like wiping down a glass and just saying "Uh, i'm not sure oh cool yeah Yeah. so that's what i'm thinking you know i i i've been waffling quite a bit on it i I may still end up going the route of the halberds just because i like the way they look um i mean they're both unit strength three right so and they both cost the same but one has much higher nerve which is which is a bonus as well and and that's one of the things that um the army needs a little bit so at at um king of monsters like i did okay i, d- I did reasonably good but uh, you know once they get into that battle line they can start chewing through those units so definitely need more bodies um and so that's what i've been thinking about working on uh i haven't started painting yet i just uh been working on basing and trying to figure that out uh, and then we've been doing um we started a vanguard league at worm hobbies and we have 10 people playing which is bonkers right <laughs> 10 people playing vanguard so, uh, I'm playing Kingdoms of Men in that, so I've got. I've built all those guys and I need to get those guys painted as well. And
1: are you using more uh,
2: of the Westphalia? It's a, it's a range called the Night Watch and then I've augmented it. I don't know if you've seen he's, they've, they've made these um, basically medieval Star Wars guys. <laughs>
1: yes, I have seen those. Yeah.
2: I've got a, a small collection of like the Stormtrooper helmets. So those are on my crossbow guys. And I got some some paladin helmets that kind of look like Boba Fett but they're, they're, it's a paladin helmet. And I put that on my foot guard and so i would just been working Working in, you know, uh, it's been fun because I very creative. You can do all kinds of, you know, make the models that you think work for those, you know, units. So I've got some berserkers and veteran soldiers and foot guard and foot soldiers and, uh, yeah. Very characterful models, and I'm excited to get those guys painted up as well.
1: I know the Half Men was going to be your, like, I want to push myself hobby-wise sort of arm, you know, paint at your, like, top, top level. And I think it's looking fantastic. But what's your sort of, like, now that you're into a chunk in the army, how has that been? Do you feel like you are pushing your hobby? I mean, where are you at sort of, like, from the artistic standpoint?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, been very time-consuming right and that's why maybe one thing that would push me back to the halberds is, is painting <laughs> like half the guys right but it's been awesome right like really like really spending the time uh like i don't know i've got these ogres that carry cannons and then those are the cannons and you know sinking hours into a dude a lot of fun almost like uh, like the dessert. so like i can like go and spend several days just on the skin and it's just been fun to really and i actually and up you know we talked about skin before They're a large format, right? And so they're large, big models. Uh, It's given me the opportunity to really try different skin tones. Like uh, there's an olive skin triad that uh, Reaper made. So I I got to use that. I I mean, I must have like eight or nine different skin tones triads. And so it's been fun. Um, And then obviously that's the dessert. the, uh, The buffet is where I'm having to like paint nights, right? Or paint pikeman mm-hmm. right and it's just like oh that's it i'll be honest it is a bit of a slog because you're trying to pay them to a high standard even when you know that somebody can't see the orange belt on the back side of the model that's up against the rock facing i know it's there <laughs> so i'm like you know i'm, I'm trying to you know paint it to the best of my ability regardless of you know no shortcuts and it's taken a long time, but I think the results are, uh, I'm, I'm happy with it, right? And I, But I'm already thinking, okay, when I finish this, what's next? And obviously, there's some things like uh, non-metallic metal, which would maybe on the next army. Um, because on this army, I'd say that would be my shortcut as I'm doing a blackened armor, which, you know, uh, does not take super long to do. It's been fun, you know, lots and lots of little halfling guys. The only, the only negative I would say is that they're so small that I'm having to use, like, Significant magnification. <laughs>
1: Cause like, I do able to see them.
2: Because like the older I get, the the worse my eyesight gets, and like I think I'm at like three and a half magnification on my glasses now, just for you know looking at these stupid guys. Because they're they're so. I mean, they're probably you know in in real terms, they're probably like fifteen millimeters tall. Maybe they're really small. There's a lot of detail <laughs> on these little guys. And trying to make the blends look good at at that small scale has been um, been challenging, but it's been fun. So I, I think they look great once they're all ranked up, right?
1: Yeah, and really, I mean, that's how an army. Should, I th- I think you can still be an army painter and paint something to a high level, you know. But in the end, you're wanting your project to look really great.
2: And we went to King of Monsters, and you know, I didn't paint a kaiju, so I got thirty nine. So I was one off max paint. So that that made me happy, right? Like i didn't paint the kaiju model had i painted the kaiju model i had 40 and tied for first with well, everybody else you know and i think i think one thing that uh ryan did drive home is it, it it's time to, to pull out a texas sized uh display board because i went with a, a much more modest thing right no I, I think it's time for the big display board
1: whether they say they're scoring a display board or not they're scoring a display board because it's gonna it's gonna subconsciously get into your brain as a judge you know what i mean
2: yeah, so Ryan Smith uh, brought a display board, which was really big, like maybe four feet by four feet. It was ginormous. And it was a Trident Realms army coming out of the sea, including a, a big boat, which was awesome. And they were basically sieging a castle. So, you know, I, I've got to step up my, my display board game. So I, I've got some thoughts. Uh, you know, obviously the army itself is, is weird. or is different than, than traditional units because I kind of already have elements of the display board built into the unit, right? Like, so I've already got four inches of rock facing <laughs> on many of the units, and they're designed to like basically touch each other, right, and, and to form like a diorama. So I, I've, uh, you know, I, for King of Monsters, I built a display board that 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 fed into that, and used uh, basically steps to to make you kind of look up into the army, and it worked. were great, but obviously didn't allow me to, to really tell a story.
1: No smoke machines, no uh, animatronics are like flying planes. Or you know, <laughs> I'm still sad. I'm still sad. You didn't make it the masters to see Scott's pirate army in person.
2: I've seen the pictures and the, it's yeah. glorious. The, the, the water effects is amazing. Yeah. Pretty, pretty killer. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic because I used to be the, the, a big display board wanker, but the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't have to haul these things around. Um, but it's time.
1: Well, that's the hardest part. Like the, the the display board I had at Alamo now lives at Jeffrey Swan's house. So I have like, and I was like, you're just keeping this at your house so that whenever I'm in a Texas tournament, I have a display board there because it's stored at Jeffrey Swan's house. So it's just, you got to leave them at different places around the country. It's like, you know, so wherever you go, you have a display board someone can bring well what else have you been doing uh tv yeah so i've been watching some tv have you seen the um on netflix they have the war for cybertron it's a cg anime transformers anime I think so it's relatively new right yeah they have two seasons um one season came out last summer and then the second season came out in december and it's like a trilogy right so each one's like six or seven episodes um and it's really really good um it's it's computer animation but it's very much the g1 original cartoon aesthetic and it's it's adult like you know people are getting smoked you know megatron is like has people's heads on his desk you know it's very like adult so um but it's cool it has a lot of like really interesting mythos of the transformers world like in the story that it's telling and um really recommend it for people who like animation are in the transformers or whatever. It's really good. Um, so I finished watching that and then I'm probably the next thing I'm going to get, get ready to watch, um, is the last season of the expanse. I hadn't watched yet. I don't know if you'd seen that show, Rob, but as a site. Yeah. And it's moved over to Amazon. Yeah. It's on Amazon prime now. So they just did another season as like hard sci-fi, I call it, you know, where they try to give you scientific, you know, explanations for stuff um so i've been watching that uh it's just been painting um we started to go back hillary and i have been watching lost again together um which has been pretty fun my wife and i went and watched that
2: show i've never felt the need to go back and watch it so i'm curious what it's like going through it the second time where you kind of know what sure the end game is the first
1: season still it was incredibly holds up. But I think that could be part two is that's like the first season is so well done the first couple seasons. Right. So we haven't really gotten super far into it, but so far it's been good. We feel like Hillary and I, have like we, it's been just long enough since we watched it that we don't remember all the little like twists or once we see them, we're like, Oh yeah, I remember that. But it's not like in our active memory, like, Oh, this is what's going to happen next. Um, so that's been that's been fun um, uh, watching that. What about and then you sent me um, that GI Joe Resolute. I've been on like on like an eighties kick watching like toy things and like very much nostalgia feeling lately. So you sent me that GI Joe. Was it Resolute?
2: That's correct. Yeah, done by War- Warren Ellis. It's basically GI Joe uh, in anime form. And you know right when it starts when they kill off a Joe, like right in the very first scene, you're like, oh, this is not your. <laughs> this is not the age G.I. Joe. Cause in, the, in that one, like people got shot, but like it was almost stormtrooper laughable, right? Like you, beep, 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 and they were just like, nobody ever really died. So it was awesome. There's a scene where storm shadow and snake eyes fight, which <laughs> not going to spoil it, but it, it, it's fantastic.
1: So what about you? What, have, have you guys been, have you been watching or getting any, anything?
2: Yeah, I've been watching the, uh, the, the Thundercat reboot that was on Netflix
1: a while back. How is that?
2: It's really good. It's also in an, an anime style. And, uh, I mean, basically TV, what we've been doing is my daughter and I have been watching – go and watch a couple hours before we go to bed, and uh, we we got through a bunch of things. I I don't know why, but she loves Robot Chicken. I don't know why or or how, but she's, like, found Robot Chicken, so she wants to watch that. So we're watching some of that. Um, And then, obviously, uh, I'm trying to get her to get into uh, Futurama. So we've – I don't know, maybe – half of that. Uh, and then you know what I binged this weekend? Tron Uprising, which is a Disney show from like cartoon from like 2012. And it, it's very uh, it's very tied into Tron Legacy, if you've seen that movie.
1: Yes. Uh-huh.
2: It's really good. Uh, it's unfortunate because there's only one season. And at the end of the 19 episode run, you're like, oh, this is just about to get really awesome. And then Kabosh, <laughs> there is no more so it's a little bit a little bit disheartening in that in that regard because clue shows up finally right uh and it, it's but it's got great voice acting and, and obviously has bruce boxlater as as tron because you can't have tron without bruce boxlater right so but uh yeah it's it was a really good show and it's on disney plus so if you haven't seen it
1: yeah, i'll check it out so i have
2: you should definitely check it out especially if you like tron legacy this is like an extension of that and there's a couple episodes where some of the characters, like Olivia Wilde's character from *Tron Legacy*, she's in the she's in at least one episode, so it's it's really really good.
1: What about *WandaVision*? That's speaking of Disney Plus.
2: I have not watched it. Uh, you know, I, I like is it. it good? I, yeah, I it's I one of those things where I, I I'm um I like to binge. So I typically wait till it's all done and then I'll just watch it all like back to back to back to back to back.
1: This would be a good show for that. It's very like first few episodes are very high concept. And I know some people feel like it's too dragged out or whatever. I've heard that, but for me I think it's a pretty interesting show. So definitely put that on your to watch list once you're
2: once it's done. Well, awesome. How about video games? You've been playing any video games?
1: Yeah, I've been playing a little World of Warcraft. Um when Shadowlands, the last expansion came out, I got really into it again, but haven't been doing as much um, pve and raids and stuff but i like to do arenas i have a couple buddies that i used to do arenas with back five eight years ago one of them was a streamer uh we had like a pretty high rated team at some point so they all those guys started playing again so i've been kind of doing some pvp mostly in that game but not it. Not a huge amount. I've been trying to get more back into to painting. But, you know, still Warhammer Total War, you know, that's like a forever on the the docket. Um I've been watching uh Hillary has Animal Crossing. Uh does Aubrey like that seems like a game that maybe Yeah, we likes. have it. We have it on the Switch. You guys yeah. have it. Yeah. So I watch her island sometimes and then we've been having fun. Uh I tried, but it's like I can't remember like my my reflexes are shot. But uh, the Super Nintendo thing on the Switch, where you can play Super Nintendo games, she's been playing Donkey Kong Country. And she, like, is, I, I, it got to, like, I was on the end boss, and he's really tough. And I forgot, like, back in the day when video games were all about super hard platforming, <laughs> and I was trying to, like...
2: Do- Just play t- the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I forget... <laughs>
1: Rob, what are your thoughts? I was watching a YouTube video of a game room, and he had gotten some ups. I know you're a retro arcade guy. Yeah, he had a whole arcade with the arcade one up. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they've come out with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but they're coming out with the four four player X Men Capcom fighter, which I was obsessed. What's your thoughts on the one up arcade?
2: I listen to a lot of podcasts that are on retro gaming and stuff, and there's some people that like stick their nose up at oh pooh pooh you know arcade one up here's the reality you ain't gonna buy one of those machines like and they have a six player x men right didn't they have in the arcade back in the day like there's a six and a four you good luck buying either one of those, and if you did buy one of those, it's gonna cost a lot of money, and it's only gonna play the one game <laughs> so you know i I actually am a fan of the of the arcade one ups because uh, I think it's the best. Uh, it's a it's it's the best concession, right? Like, it, okay, yes, it is. It is essentially emulation. It's a what three quarter scale, but it's achievable. It's it's in your ballpark of you can afford it, right? Because you know some of these arcade games now. I mean, think like the original Star Wars vector game. I mean, you couldn't touch that game right it, it's 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 way expensive so you know whatever that is 400 bucks or whatever the the, the arcade one up is it, it it allows people to have those games in their homes and, and obviously it's mostly nostalgia right I mean that's that's why people why most people are picking those up I'm a big fan you know I have not picked up any of those games just because of space is, is limited here the arcade one up is one option then there's also like the the quarter scale games like by numskull uh, and Retrocade. Which are totally awesome. They're you know they're one quarter scale replicas of the the game. Obviously, still emulation. Retrocade makes one like like, like a like a Dragon's Lair a Dragon's Lair game, and it's it's phenomenal. So I, I'm a big fan of any way you can play the games that you wanted to play back in the day in your home. I'm all for it, dude. And if and if and if it's just on a laptop, you know, and you're you're running your 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 Mame, that's fine too. But, I mean, any way people can play retro games, because I, I firmly believe, like, there's a lot of games today that are just all about the spit and polish of the graphics, and they don't actually spend enough time on the actual gameplay, right? Like, th- those classic 80s games, man, <laughs> they get you hooked, right? And, and, and obviously, they were designed to be like that because they wanted you to put quarters in the machine.
1: So, I definitely have the dream of having, like, a game room one day that would be, like, a game room slash toy collecting space slash those one-ups, maybe you know, like hitting all the all the hobbies and all the interests that you love. Because uh, I I like really love toy collecting, and I would really be into it if I had the space. I mean, I still have some stuff in the garage. But I mean, I just don't have the space really to have a collection like that, but there's just something. And I think you feel it in miniatures too. There's just something nice about collecting and building things. Like I'm, I'm thinking about, Ooh, I got to get this. And this version has a yellow Cape and this version has a green Cape, which was only released. There's just something about it that to me is like, Keeps your mind occupied. With that, let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side, let's maybe chat a few
2: minutes about some announcements that we've got.
3: Hi, guys. This is General Gaddafi from Singapore, and
2: you're listening to Counter the Charge.
1: And we are back. Um, so Rob, you know, I think we've had a lot of uh, stuff going on the show and especially with Jesse's passing that, you know, we had took a moment to reflect on that, but I know you have, we have some announcements. So we thought this would be a good time to sort of talk about what we have coming up on the show.
2: You know, you mentioned Jesse. So the first one, don't forget about Sweaty Gigante UB tournament coming up on Saturday, February 20th. It's a fundraising thing for, for Jesse's family. So we're super excited to have, um, you know, lots and lots of participation, lots lot of doma- donations.
1: So we're, we're going to be for the top uh, donation, whether by someone or uh, we've, we've been hearing there's a coalition gathering to make the top donation uh, because whoever does that gets to decide and help us build a Counter-Charge episode. Um, so that means coming up with the idea, being on with us as a guest host, you get to decide of uh, the countercharge team who you want on the episode. Um so I think there is a chance that we may be talking about Pokemon, Rob.
2: That's what I'm hearing.
1: Which is fine. I like Pokemon.
2: Yeah, I've played Pokemon before. I'm just gonna
1: call it Pokemon every time I say it.
2: Do you remember Chim Pokemon? The the, yes, South, Park the episode? South Park episode. Yeah. yeah. So we watched it and she was just that's such a good episode. It holds up. So the other thing that uh, about the Sweaty Gigante UB tournament that we want to mention is uh for the countercharge award, we'll have a we'll have a medal and we'll have some some counter charge swag for that as well. So so if you only aim to be mediocre, well, then we'll have something for you as well. Keep going on the announcement train. You know, the other thing that we wanted to do is kind of celebrate that we've got almost 1,000 people on the Facebook group. So uh, what we've asked is, hey, if you like the show, leave us a review wherever you uh, listen to us. Uh, and when you do, just drop your name on the post that's on the Facebook page and we'll enter you into a raffle. We don't know what we're going to give you yet, but it'll probably be, a, you know, an assortment of Countercharge
1: swag. And then Matt and Alex have an episode come up, the, the Ask Me Anything episode. So if you uh, want to get some questions answered by those cool cats, make sure we got a Facebook post, right, Rob, where people can put all their questions. Those are always fun episodes to do, right, to, to answer people's questions, and then people get to ask stuff that's answered on air. So it's kind of a fun. And those two guys are hilarious. It's going to be just a total bro love fest you know they may not even make it through the whole episode so that should be exciting alone to listen for
2: exactly and then uh alex is set up to record a kingdoms of men and league of rorty army review so if you have additional questions uh there's a post for that as well uh we have a forces of nature review already recorded that's in editing uh and there's which one is matt working on salamanders that's right salamanders so we got lots lots of stuff coming and uh we have a post on the Facebook page. What army review do you want to see next? Orcs are getting a lot of love, which ironically we've never done before, which I think is weird. That, you know, orc, which is a pretty uh mainstream fantasy trope,
1: that we've never done them before. Yeah, one of the go to go to races, you know. And then we've also been doing Matt's casual hobby challenge. You know, I know we had a lot of fun, Rob, when we did the paintings sort of contest thing but it's also really nice to just have a little bit more casual just motivation to help get you painting with a little bit of prize support so we're on the last week which i believe is week six of uh crozier's uh hobby challenge uh so make sure to keep doing that and i think that's something we're going to do again right rob and just something maybe we, we we might just do a few times a year not just every once in a while
2: you, right, we're going to start another one right away because I think it's been great for the community. Helps keep them people together, you know, in, in these uh, difficult times.
1: It just helps keeps the motivation. I know. I think there was a lot of people who entered into lockdown and were like, "Ha ha ha!" When I'm done, I'll have painted seventeen thousand armies, and then they end up not painting anything because they realize the only time they paint is when they're going somewhere to play.
2: Final announcement that I wanted to make is that, uh, if you're a player that doesn't have a local gaming store, I did want to mention that War Room Hobbies does have an online shop and they do have a reasonable discount for counter charge So it is warroomhobbies.com and the discount code is counter charge capital C O U N T R capital C H A R G E. Uh, and they've got pretty decent prices. And, and if you don't have a local gaming store, um, this could be your, this could be an alternative for you. I know you've used them a few times. Oh
1: yeah, I got my Armada stuff, which which he was really great about in the fact that it took so long to get to me. You know, he was communicating, and that's Mike, right? Yep, that's Mike. Mike, Mike. Yeah, uh, he was really great about answering questions, following up with the post office. You know, that guy really runs his business pretty well uh, uh, in realizing that a hobby store is a business. It's also fun, but you got to run it like a business. And he was like ready to give me a uh, he gave me a good discount. He was ready to to refund the money. And then thankfully the Armada finally showed up. And I was up the thinking, Rob, I didn't really have a local gaming store that was going to uh, pack Armada. So instead of just getting it off of Mantic's website or Amazon or whatever, I'm, I, I wanted to order from a local gaming store, even though it's not mine. So I was like, I'll just do Rob's. You know, Rob goes in there, whatever. So uh, yeah. Really great guy to do business with, so I'm—he's going to be my go-to now for ordering any stuff that I can't find at my local game store. I'm just going to order from him, so at least I'm still giving into the ecosystem.
2: And just a reminder—that's WarroomHobbies.com, and the discount code is CarnarCharge with two capital C's, all one word.
1: Yeah, and as we wrap up the show, you know, we just want to give you guys a little quick episode of you know what we're up to, what's been you know what we got planned for the future, and then as always, let's be kind to each other. You know, everyone's going through a really hard time right now with everything going on. So uh, let's just send out those mental kindness hugs and keep building this uh, community to be as great as I know it can be. Um, Any final thoughts, Rob? Uh, No, sir. Okay. And then, you know, kind of ending on that community fact, we got another segment interview with uh, Mike from the War Room Hobbies that we just mentioned. So we're going to roll that clip. And then after that, just remember to always keep counter-charging.
2: Next up, we're going to chat about community building from the store perspective, and I've got two panelists here with me.
3: Michael Horner with War Room Hobbies. Matt Wiseman, a
2: patron of War Room Hobbies. We've chatted at length at nauseam about community building. We figured it's high time to get from the store's perspective. They have skin in the game. It's a tool that they can leverage. Let's start with this simple question. From a store's perspective, why even build a community?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question. You know, there's a lot of different thought processes that go into that. You've got some companies that are pretty big out there who aren't really worried about the community building. They're just worried about that like initial buy or just, you know, buy and leave. I think for me, why community building is, is really important is the games come and go and not necessarily like gone forever, but I think the, the flavor of games come and go, meaning Mm -hmm. you might be a 40 K player today, but in six months you might be a Kings of war player or the new additions will drop or whatever those things are that happen um, that either bring you to a game or take you away from a game. The community is important because that's why most people play. Like I see your tryhards that come out to play where it's like oh, the tryhards. They come out of nowhere. It's a nice. nice and term. they're like, they're 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 the ultra competitive. Gotcha crush guys. people. And what they really do is they kill your community. And then what's nice is when you have your group and you see it, you see those four or five or six players who don't have to be a huge group. They can be a small group. They can be, you know, just a handful of players who they're playing three or four games together and they're enjoying that game. Yeah. And when people come into play, they generally see two people who enjoy playing a game together, and that's what draws new players into a game. Yeah. Not the huffing and puffing and somebody did something that you know they didn't expect and now it's not an enjoyable experience. Because you rarely see anybody playing a game Mm -hmm. and they're crushing an opponent and somebody new watching is like, you know what? I really want to play this game. I want to get crushed too. I want to play this to where this guy's mad and he's – He's upset. He's complained about the rules. And I think when you have a good community, you have guys who generally are building lists to play a game with somebody that they want to enjoy playing a game against. They have self-restraint. They have self-restraint because they know they're going to play him next week. Right? You got to see him right? again. You're, you're yeah. not yeah. in a tournament where you, you, you're you not flying somewhere. You're not driving somewhere. Some and anonymous victim. You're never going to see this guy yeah. again. You know? And I think from, a, from that standpoint – You have guys that are willing to help each other out. And also, too, why community is important is, you know, we're sitting in the store right now and I see three people sitting at a table. And I can tell you right now, two of the gentlemen are here every Sunday painting their models, whether it's D&D, Games Workshop, Mantic, whatever it is. They're painting their models because they want to do it together as a group. And they've allowed someone new, you know, a 14 year old kid basically has been coming in the shop for the last two weeks trying to figure out what hobbying is all about. And we've allowed them to just join right in. And yesterday, that same individual was with somebody else getting a Blood Bowl demo who's not part of that group. Yeah. But we've accepted those people. And now that that kid's been in here three, four out of seven days a week. Yeah. Just figuring stuff out, just exactly. trying to understand what this game's about. And trying to understand it's a girl, right? It. Yeah. Yeah. It's Meredith. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I've not met her yet, but that was cool mm-hmm. yesterday. She was learning uh, Bowen was teaching her blood bowl.
3: Yeah. And she's, oh, cool. she came in to do the magic. She's basically just trying to find a place that she fits. And we saw the same thing with folks like Bailey who just jumped into different games and you've got people willing to teach. Yeah. They're willing to sit down and take time with somebody. They're not selfish. Right. And that's why I think the community aspect is important because community is bringing people in because people want to be involved. They want to be a part of something. Yeah. And when you do that from a store perspective, man, that's great. You know why? Because she's bought a Blood Bowl team yesterday. Picked up goblins. Really? Yeah. She went with, with, I think they're like flea bags or something like that. So she picked up goblins. That's cool. And she's going to sign up for the league. Awesome. About two weeks ago, she was in here with all the 40K players. And she picked up the starter set for Adeptus Mechanicus. That's amazing. Right. So this is somebody who is picking up some different games knowing these are the different nights people play. Yeah. And because they've met players they want to play games with, they're getting involved in those games. Yeah. And that's what you want to see. You want to see people picking up something that they enjoy. Somebody's there to walk them through lists and even to tell them to tone it down a little bit. Like we have uh, one of the, one of the young men who came in here a lot just because he would come in here, you know, right after work, working a day shift, 20 years old named Bailey as a community, we sat down with him. We're like, Hey bro, you're just buying up a ton of stuff. It's obvious. Like he has nowhere else to spend his money, you know, as a store. I love that. But I, I pulled him aside and I'm like, Hey bro, pick like three games. Yeah, and just really play those. Like play them, enjoy them. Because right now you're buying stuff, and you're going to get upset eventually because you're not, yeah, you're not seeing that return. You're not seeing that return <laughs> of enjoyment. You're seeing other people enjoy something, and you're taking that first step of the purchase, and you're not playing. And then he did. He actually got into a D and D group and got really drenched with that particular group, and you just saw his enjoyment like go up a notch because he fit in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's important because that's what keeps the players coming in. And from a store perspective, they're coming in consistently, They've got, they have a group to feel like they're a part of, and then they enjoy the hobby.
2: There's a term that they, they use in board gaming. It's called the magic circle, which is essentially when you sit down to play a game, you are accepting a social contract with your fellow people and you're, you're going to abide by the rules. And, you, you know, yep. this is kind of building a community is kind of building that magic circle at a bigger level. You know, bringing people in, and you're you're socially accepting the fact that you know you're not going to be a a tool, and you're going to
3: yeah, no, yeah, Yeah. right. I think you hit on the head is that when you come into something like this, this is your thing in common to get you started, and you have a set of rules that everybody has to live by because you have a game system and a game structure, and then outside of that, like you and me, like I didn't know you before I opened the shop. Really, I messaged you one day on Facebook, like, hey, dude, I'm opening a store. Yeah, and we live like less than a mile apart, and your kid is the same age as one exactly. of my army of children mm-hmm. and that's what branched out of that which is other things that you have in common but what started it was you have a game you have a rule set you abide by that and you can kind of learn too if this dude's going to go outside this rule set and cheat or whatever it's probably not somebody i want in my circle right. right but now that you know you can figure people out now you want to let people into that circle well even having someone point like i'm coming at it
4: from i'm still a relatively new tabletop war gamer like the way you've run it and kind of the circle you're talking about, when someone walks in that store, you don't know what their history is, what they're into. Are they competitive? Are they fluffy? Or is it just – I just need that social group of we do something together. And by being able to do that, it's also – it sets you up for the stage of, oh, I wasn't competitive. Now I kind of want to get in that competitive scene where I am more fluffy or, hey, I find this new element about the hobby that I didn't know a thing about. So even not just from the guys leading it of being able to pass on that passion to the rest of the team members, you can develop that, have that community to help you develop and get, I guess, maximum enjoyment from the game.
3: Oh, yeah. You find your spot. I definitely Mm -hmm. agree. I think you find your spot within your community and you learn that too. Like, you know, being a part of different communities in the past is a good community realizes everybody's kind of role in that community and you know, okay, I'm playing so-and-so this week. I know the kind of player they are. I'm going to that social contract. I'm going to I'm cater done.
2: my army to the player that's them playing so we both have so I'm playing against. So I'm not bringing time. a beat stick. Oh, I'm playing Bowen, and he's a hardcore tournament player. I can bring my filthy list this week.
3: Or, yeah, when you're teaching somebody a game, yep. and you yep. let them beat you a couple times let then the next win. week, and you're like, <laughs> I'm bringing the pain, <laughs> right? Like, right? You can do that. Because you've you've worked up to the point where you're ready for the beating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Like I tell people, it's like it's like making deposits. Like you making deposits into somebody over and over and over. Then eventually you get to the point where it's okay to make a withdrawal. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. now for us to play a game where you know we're on even keels. And if I do beat you, it's not like you've destroyed their hobby. Like that's what kills me too. Is like. When these new players come in and all of a sudden I'm like, somebody says, oh, I'll give you a demo because it's like <laughs> you can tell when someone's never going to be back.
2: Foot traffic is one thing. Return customers. What are some other benefits of having a, a strong community within a store?
3: Yeah, I think it makes my job a whole lot easier, um, right? It makes our employees' jobs a whole lot easier. When you have different people that are part of communities, it's very easy when someone throws up, like we see on our Discord all the time, Like, because one of the number one things that I try to get people to do when they walk in is we had a guy this weekend who came in and was like, hey, I'm looking to play this one game. I watched some videos on it. You know, can you tell me more about it? I'm like, I sure can. But first of all, what did you see that you really liked? And he mentioned a certain faction. And I'm like, awesome. Well, knowing that community. Which, which game was it? This was uh, this was 40K. <clears throat> and he came in asking about Death Guard. Okay. And so immediately, I knew three people in our Discord that play Death Guard. Yeah. Really enjoy them. And I'm like, okay, get in our Discord. I'm gonna have you message these people right now and tell them, "Hey, can you tell me a little bit about Death Guard and how they play and why do you like them?" And within like a couple hours of him being in the store hanging out, he started getting replies. Well, that takes a huge burden off me because I can't know everything, right? Same Even if you wanted
2: and, to, yeah,
3: yeah. And 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 then you go back to what was it last? Was it last Saturday or last Sunday when Andrew came in and I was literally in the back doing inventory, saw him through the window, and I'm like, <clears throat> Andrew. You picked up a bunch of Kings of War stuff, right? And he's like, Yeah. I was like, You want to meet the guys? Yeah. He's like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I walk him over to your table. And Bowen and I were playing. Yeah. yeah. I literally yep. was able to hand him off to you guys Yeah, and let you guys really dive in. And he's back on Wednesday to get a, a demo. demo. Yeah. And I'm able to back away right. because it doesn't seem like also, you know, greedy me as a store owner. It doesn't seem like I'm trying to push a sale. You're trying to push a community because I don't want you to buy once. I want you to come in. I want you to well and continue we'll, being. We'll, here.
2: well, we'll talk about cross pollination, but like yeah. that's another thing too. Like there's communities for each game, and it's in your best interest to have people in multiple communities.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So you can so you can get that that going. But it makes it so much easier for me. Is that you've got these different groups that I don't know every game. Like I I can't Well you
2: can't know every game. No, okay. right? It's impossible.
3: Yeah. And so being able to use the social media platforms mm-hmm. like the Discords, the Facebooks, and stuff like that, the, I can Did just, you call it the Facebooks? I like that. The Facebooks, yeah. <laughs> depends on depends uh, on which groups Facebooks. I'm in. Uh but like being able to those people just plugged in immediately. Yeah. Right? From the day they walk in the shop, get them plugged in with people immediately with their game. It's yeah. it's just and, and you see the enjoyment. Like a lot of people that have come here. That's been one of the number one things. Was the gentleman that works here now? Like he's like, I used to go to this store.
2: Ba- is this is Bailey. We're Bailey, about? Yeah. yeah,
3: Bailey that works up here now. He was like, I used to go to this store. He's like, I came in here one time on a Saturday and there was a big group of people. He's like, I bounced around to like three or four tables and people actually explained to me what mm-hmm. they're doing and we had a good conversation and I never went anywhere else.
0: Yeah, like, I it's chose engaging. to stay here because
3: yeah. that's the reason why we take up so much freaking space with, with all tables. The tables, yeah. Like I mean I told you a thousand times like I could cut the tables down to four tables increase retail and actually turn a real profit in this place. Yeah. But all these tables in here they all get used. And people build that community. So, Matt, so obviously you're with us here. I'm going
2: to turn it over to you. Obviously, you have an interesting perspective because I don't think you've ever been part of a gaming community outside of one that was in a store, right?
4: No, no. Everything so, else is that you had to go to someone else's house. Right, yeah, yeah. That's You had to already know them. And, I mean, it's kind of odd to That's just sketchy. come to a new yeah. place. Like, before you guys had War Room, I heard, oh, you yeah, the right ra- exactly. Yeah, exactly. It
2: never on. were. It was so hard. People Could, like – like even – was it Christian? That's his name, right? Yeah, we're good, like, good. come on over. Like, he only came once because it was like, you know, it's got to walk down this alley. Yeah,
4: it it's so sketchy. But having that shared space that you can come in to yeah, learn so, about it, yeah. and I mean, because I mean, it's you know, kind of like the new guy coming in asking the veterans, "All right, <coughs> I need help. What's the common pitfalls?" And then too, coming from uh, not just well, basically from the bunker, I was very much given the, oh yeah here's the 40K, here's how it works, 8th edition, fix this of 7th, you won't have to have this problem. Right. And then a few weeks later, oh, no, now you need this book. Right. Oh, now you need this book. And then quickly it quickly turned into It's like, well, I, I got sold one thing I, and then I, something else. I, yeah. And having that community mindset, well, kind of to your point of like, yeah, you want to sell as much as possible, by having the place of, hey, now we can play it to enjoy it and then you can explore more of it. It now makes it the anchor point for this is where I want my sales to go to. Yeah, this is where I'm going to make. I think you bring up a good
2: point too, though, that you have a. There's Mike almost has a conflict of interest, right? Like in the sense that he wants you to buy stuff, right? Like, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So that that's the thing, but like. With communities that we have in the store, we want you to buy stuff, too. But, like, we want you to buy stuff that you – and Mike does, too, right, yeah. ultimately. It, it, you're actually going to use, right? Yeah. So we mean, don't want to, like, tell you to buy something and then no, knowingly, oh, well, that's going to be obsolete next week when this new codex
4: comes out, right? Like, nothing burns yeah. a person more than that, right? Like Because even with Kings of War coming in, it was, well – you might want to hold off on buying the second edition book because we're about to have third edition launch. Right. We'll tell you the rules and here's where you can download, you know, the overall rules. Honestly, hold off on that money till then because you're just going to turn and burn at that point. Too. Right. Well, yeah. We didn't and, even
3: put it on the shelf. And, right. Have, right. and
4: having mind. that type of feedback is like, OK, you guys are looking out for me. Now I'm willing kind of like that contract you'd said of make a deposit. I'm now willing to deposit back to the group. Right.
3: Yeah. And and to Rob's point, you know, having these different like little nuances is when I first moved here. I, like I said, I didn't know Rob until really I sent him a message and was like, explain Mantic to me because I'm opening it. I didn't door. actually meet you until Adepticon, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I <laughs> you went up, came not, up to the uh... Not even in Memphis. <laughs> I was I you were there. like
2: me messaged me. I'm like, well, I'm up in the King's War Room and yeah, you came up there. I yeah, think.
3: no idea what you look like, anything. No. I'm like, all right, I'm guess I'm gonna try to find this dude. But it was the same thing. Like this store only happened. I mean, honestly, my wife's the reason. Like, if you ever see my wife, thank her because it got to the point where, because of the bunker issues and everything else, and not being able to use some of the other local stores, so they weren't big enough. We were using my house. And it mm-hmm. got to the point where every Thursday night, I had, you know, four gaming tables upstairs. And I was getting to the point where I had two gaming tables downstairs. And then we started playing on Saturdays. Oh, wow. that's too much.
4: Wow. That's and too we're much in my house. That. Yeah. And yeah. And
3: that's my wife, Laura, is like. Uh, occasionally, okay, but not weekly. But weekly? Oh. And it w- we did that for, man, I, I want to say like. Probably three or four months, we had at least six or seven people at my house gaming Thursday nights starting at 6 o'clock. Yeah. So, So,
2: I mean, there's something to be said with having that community move to a store, right? Mm -hmm. Any kind of other entity outside your house, but a store in particular because there's some advantages to obviously being in the store. Like you sell products, (laughs) right? You sell dice. Oh, I forgot my tape measure. I need another base, whatever.
3: But I think that I think the 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 cool thing was with this store for me opening up is it was community started. Like a lot of the things that we did, I had a core group at first of like five or six people that I was like, these are the things that I'm doing. We floated those. Like the name of the store. I didn't come up with the name. That was not my decision. We had a our gaming group, I was like, what do y'all think? Come up with some names. Once they kind of figured out what they wanted, I was like, okay, now I just gotta make sure nobody else has that name. The only reason why we're called War Room Hobbies is because War Room Games is in Las Vegas, right? Like, that's it. Like, it was just going to be the War Room. We're like, well, no, that's a a, a self-help group in Chattanooga or something like that. So we can't have that name, you know, and stuff like that. The logo, everything went through the community. So trying from the beginning to do this community aspect, you know, of how do we get people to come in? What do they want? Like we had – the first time I met anybody that played Kings of War, we weren't even open yet. Like we had the store was just built and we were like, go ahead and come out for a games day. Can we buy anything? Nope. <laughs> just come out. Use the space. Well, and that's kind of like you're saying the game space. That's what I love because my
4: first one was at the bunker. Two tables, tops for free. There's always three tables open. One was always taken. There's always a game going on. And it's funny he says the bunker
3: because yeah. that's what they called it when it well, used to have like – 42. Yeah, and so it, for
2: those who don't know what we're talking about it is the Memphis Battle Bunker, sometimes known as the World of Battle. Memphis Battle Bunker, GW store. It was in GW's uh corporate headquarters for Memphis, which used to be a well, it still is a distribution site, but yeah. it used to have sales, which is now subsequently moved to to, to um Dallas because it, it all relocated from Baltimore. The Battle Bunker was great. They had I mean, well, back up. If you like GW games, it was great because yeah. it, they had some of the greatest hobby tables. I mean, all amazing stuff, right? If you were into k or four hundred Fantasy, it was hard to beat, right?
3: All the walls yeah. were set up like a castle.
2: Yeah, it was a castle. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Everywhere. was amazing. It was
4: amazing. Right. But when I was starting, they had closed that area off. Right. And so yeah. you just had your typical small store. Me being brand new to it, it was like, well, where else am I going to be able to play this? Well, it gets Um,
2: back to, you know, I think think we've chatted, Mike was chatting about this in a previous episode. You know, GW is interested in that initial sale. (laughs) And then they
4: want to hand it off to somebody else, right? They don't want to sustain that. And being able to basically have like a public area that we can come in. Hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. We play the same game. You want to get a game in. Having that public space now makes kind of that the anchor of okay, what can I do to keep this public space open? Because then I get uncomfortable. If I'm walking into your space. I'm kind of invading <coughs> your home. Well, if you don't know me, and you're probably like, what type of crazy cross-eyed guy is this walking over
3: here? Oh, yeah, I well, had my- that rule. I had to meet somebody at Mid-South Hobbies or, the, or at Games Workshop or 901 when all the other stuff happened before I would invite them to my house. Yeah. Because mm. I had to happen in St. Louis. I had a crazy, yeah. I had a crazy guy who, I, who somebody else brought with him one time And dude was being loud, getting crazy. And I was like, bro, I got two kids and a wife upstairs. Like, this is all vetoed real quick if she decides she doesn't want people coming over to game. Exactly. So you do have to be careful. Whereas here, at Mm -hmm. least, you're going to meet some crazies. But you're in a public space. You can get in your car and go home. It's kind of like Craigslist, right?
0: Exactly. (laughs) It it is. It's like, yeah.
4: But it's that neutral area that it's like no matter what level you are in the hobby, your journey, or your passion, you can all walk in there, find some common ground. And then, like you said, everybody finds their role. Here's where I can grow from here.
2: What are some keys to building a community within the store? Like, you know, what do you have to have to make it work?
3: I mean, I think you need some, I think the, the most important thing to me is you need to probably have two people dedicated to a game and willing to be in a place consistently. You need to be, you need to be willing as the owner to find those people and give them the space and kind of autonomy to kind of run it themselves Mm -hmm. because they're, they're, going to be running it themselves.
2: Yeah. You, you definitely need to have evangelists, right? Like
3: you got to yeah, have it. You got to have that person. I mean, like when someone walks in that night and if you promote it, like the one thing I try to do is if I find that night, we find that, you know, person who's willing to do it, I'll pay to promote it. I'll advertise it, the whole thing, that that's the night, you know? And then you kind of let it roll that way. You But you got to have that dedication. You got to have yeah. somebody who's willing to be here consistently because if you say we do Kings of War on Wednesday – you gotta be here. When somebody comes on a Wednesday and nobody's here, and that happens twice. They're done. They're done. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're 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 yeah. not gonna come back, or they're gonna find a different group to go to. Yeah, um, you know. And I think that's the challenge. So it's seeking those people out. You know, I think even, you know, we have a membership program. You know, mm-hmm. some of the times that I've done with that is I've leveraged that program for some people. Mm-hmm. If you're going to own the game, I'm going to make it somewhat advantageous for you. Because yeah. the other side, too, is a lot of the guys who, you know, who are owning those games, they're also your top spenders usually because they're <laughs> yeah. buying all the books. They're always buying new armies. They're Especially always 40K. Buying, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that's that's the way I was. I mean, I was that guy <laughs> in my local scene to where I bought every codex. I bought every book. I didn't play every army. But I want to know the rules so that I could explain it to somebody else. And you need that person, but you need to make it to where they're not going to break the bank and it's not a a huge burden for them to come up all the time and play. Right. Uh, but you got to be smarter than two. I got burned. I've, I've been burned a couple of times. Well, yeah, you got to pick the right person. It's almost like it's like a
2: relationship, though. You, gotta, you, mm-hmm. you, can, yeah. you think you got the right person, but like they might not last, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of people who you you you're willing to invest your time into and they're they have great intentions. I mean, I think that's the other side of it too. They've got great intentions, they want to do it, but they're just like anybody else. Like pretty squirrel, whatever comes around, they're they get distracted and all of a sudden they're gone. I can name I can name probably 20 games that I've had guys come in who were like, "I'm going to be all in. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run this for you. You need to carry it." That wanted special benefits right, right. off the bat, and they made it two times to their right. own night. Yeah, that's a red flag, by the way. If, yeah.
2: If you if you want to be an evangelist, don't ask for a perk. Actually, off show your worth first. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like, and then the. Benefits would come right, Like yeah. If that's if that, if
3: that. well, like I said, I made some, I made some mistakes in the beginning, in the sense that I kind of went about it the way of okay, when I did this, what would I have liked to have had when I was doing this to make it easier for me, and so I tried to sell people on being that person by giving them certain things. And there was no passion behind their side of it. They were like, oh, yeah, I'll do it if I get that. Well, Well, then there's a job,
2: and then you're no longer an evangelist, then then you're an employee.
3: (laughs) Then they basically just petered out. And then there's people who, after you watched it, you you saw them naturally doing it. You're like, okay, that's a good investment as a store. I need to make sure this person has what they need for this hobby. It's being, like you're trying to say, it's identifying who's got the passion. Yeah. Because
4: that's going to bleed through to the players, like the new guys, like me walking in. Oh, not only do you know the game. But you know all the ins and outs and, okay, here's all you can do. So initially it looks like this. Here's how you can have fun with that. So if you're going competitive, here's a few different ways to do that or something else, which then just hopefully means not long after I'm coming to you at the counter, hey, here's what I'm looking at. He's helped me
3: build a list. Can we get this one ordered? Oh yeah, for sure.
2: So evangelists, the first thing you need. Yeah. What what else do you need to make a community? You know, build a community within the store.
3: I, I think the easy one is space. I think you need to have space to where people can actually mm-hmm. play. I think some of the shops they try to they try to dip their toe into that, um, and they'll have like two tables. They'll have you know maybe a small space.
2: You can run you can run some demos. You can't run events. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think I think that's the challenge is I think you need to I think you need to invest in the space. And I'll tell you what I told a lot of people that own stores. What our game plan was from a from a physical spot, and they were like, "You're you're an idiot." Like,
2: well, yeah, it's it's crazy talk, right? Yeah, you're <laughs> like, there's
3: no way you should have more game space than retail space. And I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, but we got a good deal, so we 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 went with it. So I think you have to have the space so that you can you know make it to where somebody comes in and they you know it's not a burden to try to get a game, and then you have to have the hours too. And I think that kind of goes in with the space. You know, one of the other challenges a lot of stores try to cut some of their overhead by, you know, they close at 8 o'clock, they close at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really hard to build a community if everybody gets off at 5, they yeah. barely get to the store by 5.30, yeah. and then you're locking your doors at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. We stay open till 10. We allow gamers to continue gaming until 10.30, and then you're out, right? That's, in my mind, we're giving people three and a half hours after 7 to play a game. There's not a game in here that should take that long Yeah. if you start at the right time. And so I think you have to have the space, the ability for people to play, And then also, too, you know, and I'm talking all location based, right? Yeah. The reason why we picked our spot is you've got the other problem is around dinner time. What will happen is people will go get in their car Mm -hmm. and they'll go somewhere to go get some food. And rarely do they come back
2: unless it's really close. Whereas you
3: create fellowship. I couldn't build a kitchen yet. That's something we want to do down the road is build a full cafe. But we picked this spot because there's a Wendy's a Freddy's Steakhouse, a Baskin Robbins, a Chinese uh, food place, and there's a Taco Bell all in the same basically parking lot. Yeah, you can you walk to there. walk mm-hmm, and bring yeah. the food back. And, man, I know that from church. <clears throat> you get people to all eat together, like you, you're you good. Like if, if mm-hmm. you're willing to sit down and have a meal with somebody and shoot the crap, you're going to play games with them. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're Matt. Matt doesn't like eating with us very often. Well, that's because
2: we, we're unhealthy swines. So yeah, yeah. yeah, he It'll likes
3: to be all healthy, you yeah. know, all that jazz. I understand. So I think those are the kind of the nuances of what you need to do. And I've seen some stores do a good job with that with like they'll have their Uber Eats. They'll have their, you know, pizza places. They'll have all that stuff, you know, readily available for some people. stores will actually own a Domino's. Right. Like that's cool. I, <laughs> I wish I would have done that first. I would have been the smarter uh, piece. But I think all <laughs> the things you do to make it easy for people to come together makes it then the next step is they stay. They stay right. and they, and, and then it's, and then it's that full day's activity and full night's yeah. activity. And then when you're spending the money that we spend on some of these models, it's not that out of, that's not that crazy when you think about some of the other stuff that you could be doing because you're getting, you know, after that big investment, you might spend 10, 20 bucks here and there, but you're getting a lot of free entertainment after the fact.
4: I mean, models are forever, right? Like- Put down video games because it's okay. Socially, what am I getting from this? If we're gaming together, we're just focusing on whatever that video game objective is. And that's it. Like some of my oldest friends, that's how we were keeping up after college. And I put it down because it's like, I'm not really getting to keep up and know my friends because we're focusing on one outside objective. And it's like, hey, how are you and your wife doing? Everything good. I see on Facebook. We don't have that type of interaction. Whereas this is like you get to develop a friendship Mm -hmm, with it. Definitely. And you actually get to have it's really the full definition of community. Well, that's why um, we play table top games, right, rather than video yeah.
3: games, because we want the social interaction. That's why we don't allow per- that in the shop, too. Like a lot yeah, of ads. don't part, you Have computers? Computers? Why don't you have mm-hmm. electronics? Why don't you have that? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not interested in that. People don't know how to talk to each other today. Yeah, because oh, they're all on their yeah.
2: phone and their iPads and their and their Facebooks, as as Mike says. Face- the Facebook. The yeah. Facebook. <laughs> the Facebooks. Sorry. I like
3: to put them all
4: together. Yeah. The Twitter. Yeah. The Facebook. You know, <laughs> they're all. But going. I mean, that's what I was actively looking for. Is it's okay? I'm. Putting that down because I'm not really communicating. It's more of like, get over there faster, get over there faster. Okay, shoot, shoot, shoot. Okay, now we're done. So it was really shallow. It was really... Superficial. Shallow, superficial mm-hmm. area. And I was like, nah, I want something a little more permanent, a little more sustaining that kind of like your point of this is a place where I can get out of life and be like, hey, I'm looking forward to this. It,
3: building relationships. It's
4: building relationships and something to look forward to.
3: I know what you mean. I, I When mm-hmm. I was when I started first having kids, I couldn't really get out and game. Uh, Even though one, when one of my kids was born, I actually ran a tournament the same day. So (laughs) that that was down the road. After you have two, they're not as important. Next episode. Um, (laughs) Luckily uh, she doesn't listen, so he'll be all right. (laughs) But like I tried that. I tried playing the video games too. And I just, I didn't really get, I didn't really get anything out of it. Like I just didn't get, and for some people it's great. Like I, I get what you're trying to get out of it, but to your point, like, I'm trying to build relationships with people. I'm trying to get take a break from all the other stuff going on and have a conversation while I'm playing something and not losing my mind. Yeah, because like, that's the other thing too. I'm just horrible at video games now.
2: Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, yeah, the the twitch and stuff. I just can't. I can't. I'm not twitchy enough. Yeah, to push the buttons fast and fast enough. There, I mean, there's certainly other benefits, right, of, of trying to build a gaming community within a store. Obviously. You sell models, right?
4: Well, oh, I mean, that's yeah. a whole other. Might I throw in something you're already doing? Variety. <clears throat> I mean, just variety of games. We're not stuck with one game system. Like you were saying, cross-pollination. Right. And that's awesome because sometimes even though, I mean, this is a Kings of War podcast. I It's my primary game. Every now and then it's, all right, I'm ready to put this down. Let's, let's do something else. Let's get some other flavor, some other variety in there because that just adds to the richness of it.
3: No, I I think you're you're right on. When you have a group, it's it's really funny when a group actually gets together and decides they're gonna play a different game. Like in a whole mm-hmm. wave of them will. So that really helps out the store. Yeah. Cause you got this group that's already agreed as a as a you know, as a gaming group, like there'll be, you know, four or five people and they'll say, Hey, we really want to play this game. Can you get it in? Well, one, if I don't carry it. I mean, that's a real easy one, right? Like, okay, you're all getting it. Cool. That's well, nothing you, but profit. Well, just one big order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nothing but profit. And then once they start playing it, you see it catches on. Well, now all of a sudden that's how I bring in a new product line. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have people that will come in. They will touch into that game and maybe that's the only game they live in. And then they start building their own group around that game. And now all of a sudden you see a secondary you know, pod of, uh, of another community growing all because that one group said, you know what, we're going to give this game a try for like 90 days. Yeah. You know, and then they come back. You look I saw that happen with the Blood Bowl League that we did last year. Like, there were guys who looked at me in the face and said, I don't buy GW games. Who would that right? be? They were like, <laughs> I, that? Know, I don't do that. <laughs> and I will tell you what, there was at least three that had yeah. told me that the guys who played nothing but Bolt Action, yeah, nothing but Kings of War, <clears throat> nothing but some other games, and they were all in the Blood Bowl League. And they already had teams too, which was funny. And they still bought the rules and bought the stuff. So it's not all profitability, but what it allowed was now all of a sudden you got guys who aren't used to these other guys playing games with each other that is outside their realm and then they're willing to dip their toe into other games.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, what you're talking about is cross-pollination, right? Good segue. Obviously, that's one of the other things that I think a store facilitates better than anything else, right? Like is the fact that you've got multiple communities for different game systems all under the same space. Let's talk about that. You know, you, you, you have the ability to cross-pollinate, but how do you make that happen? How do you get 40
3: key players, you know, to, to play <laughs> King's War? <laughs> no, I think, I think one of the big things, and we've seen this with – we've seen it mainly with uh, – when we first opened, we did this with Bolt Action and uh, Conflict 47 in their games. And I think it's something that if not for some of the things that have happened in the last year, we probably would have, you know, really ramped that up. But we, we opened the store with actual full demo armies. And so that was one of the things one of our guys who got, who helped open us, this, open up the store was really into Warlord. Like he got himself, was this Morgan or who? Yeah, Morgan got Morgan himself, Evans. Yeah, Morgan mm-hmm. Evans got a sign done, everything else. And, you know, he was going to give Warlord demos. Mm-hmm. We we had demo armies that we built. Mm-hmm. And so it made it really easy because you're like, come out and we had the arms Shield to play. And so then you had I used somebody. That. Yeah, like Matt, He that's, that's the first time I met you is you yeah. getting into bolt action. And when you have that community, And you have that stuff available, you're able to immediately pull somebody in and they've got cool stuff to play with. Like when you put cool models in somebody's hand, they're there. Yeah, demoing with like unpainted models, not cool. And like when you showed up with your kings of war, like your ogres and and your different armies, you tell somebody, hey, I want to give you a demo. Well, you again, you sit down, and you give them armies to play with. You right. give them an end product, right? It's like giving some making somebody drive the car off the lot. Every salesperson that sells cars tells you the key is getting someone behind the wheel and getting them to drive the car. Then it's getting them to take it home for 24 hours. And more than likely you're gonna sell them that car. Yeah. It's gonna lock in. You do that with the the product too, but having it available. If you don't have it though, and you're not and you don't tell a guy, okay, you know, hey Rob, here's an army to play with. You know, hey, Morgan, here's two full armies that we know exactly what the rules are. You've got these available. You, you give them those things. Mm-hmm. And then add on to it leagues. Like that's the other thing that we've tried to do. You know, you get people to do these slow-grow leagues or these smaller games, these skirmish games and stuff like that. And people are willing to jump into something a little bit different if there's not a huge hit. It's not a huge time financial. commitment and it's not a huge yeah.
2: financial commitment. I mean, that's why Blood Bowl is so accessible, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you do only need like – Thirty dollar team, really? Yeah, exactly. and some Dice, yeah, and you're good to go. So, Matt, maybe obviously you're a man of many communities. So, <laughs> let's talk about that. You know, what are what are you know what are some of the things that folks have used on you? Some voodoo magic to get you to try the different games and, to, and to, basically because you did you have cross pollinated yeah, lots I of mean, different
4: groups. When I came in here, came from the Games Workshop Memphis bunker, forty k. Kind of got burned from the sales on that. Then that's where I met Morgan online because we had a Facebook group that said. On there, hey, we got a new store message. He said, bolt action. I don't know. A thing about bolt
3: action came in there, like you said. I heard it was models. World
2: War II 40K. Is that right?
3: World, World War II uh, bolt 40K. action? W- World War II 40K. Well, Conflict 47 is like the Fort the, the, the Weird, oh, okay. war, weird stuff. war stuff. Okay. <laughs> but we did actual just vanilla bolt action. Yeah.
4: And first time ever doing um, tabletop gaming, I was like, that was fun. Yeah. Then I think... The next week was another bold and I It's like oh, I'll show up, and I think that's when y'all had a raffle for who gets a starter army well, box. Yeah, that, so and let's, I let's and stop I, there and for a second
2: because you know I think that's something that people don't f- figure out. Like you can offer discounts, you can offer prize support, you can do stuff like raffles when you're in a store. Right? There's oh, yeah. there's financial oh, money yeah. behind it, right? And obviously you have all the relationships with the suppliers, the manufacturers of the games. They're, they're going to help you. They're going to step in and, and try to help where they can. So sorry.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Want to start our armory box? And it's like, hey, we've got Americans, British, and Germans. You want a starter box? Yeah. And wow, it that's was, pretty good. Uh, I'll go Germans. Then we were playing that pretty regularly until we had a big games day on that Saturday. And I think that's where I met you and Bowen playing Kings of War. So, It was like, Immediately, the fantasy, the big blocks. It was, ooh.
2: Lord of the Rings in yeah, your head, right? Yeah, it's like all now. that.
4: Yeah. That, yeah. that was all the stuff that originally back in the day, that's what I wanted to do. Right. Didn't know it weed.
3: That's what you did. Yeah. I
4: just skipped cigars entirely. <laughs> Found that, did the demos, and then from there, it was just, okay, they're timing. There happened to be a new edition coming out. So it's like, all right, let's get excited about this new start. And then having a Slow Grower League, too, did help. Yeah, because – uh,
2: cuz you opened the shop like a month before third yeah. edition opened yeah. which mm-hmm. really like timing wise was pretty pretty um pretty cagey pretty lucky there cuz Oh yeah
3: you've got that new edition hit the yeah. new 40k edition hit exactly. all in the first year and in, in, you do like that is what helps. Like it's really easy to explain to somebody, oh, this new this game you're interested in is awesome. It's a great time to get into it. Because we're all the same spot. We're all yeah, brand yeah. new to it. It's all know? brand new. Everybody's gonna be starting from scratch. Yeah. You know, you cut some deals. hmm
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just being able to have slow grow, I think really can't be underestimated, especially if you're trying to get a new player. Start with a few units, learn how to utilize them then slowly grow it. And then when you also push the other hobby aspects, you're now it's kind of like, you know, going to the gym, working out. You're not going to see progress day one. Keep committed to it and you will see progress in your play, your hobby. Then you have something to show for it.
3: Well, and and two, the, what the community allows for as well is you've got all those resources. You're not just watching a YouTube video. When you have a night where everybody shows up and it's like, hey, we're going to work on bases. Mm-hmm. We're going to work on how do you how do you try to paint a bunch of guys all at once? The community is what provides that. Yeah, and I know some people like to hobby alone. Yeah, um, I'm not one of those people. Like, if you want if you want me to get ready, like prepping for Adepticon. Our best way was like the week out. We're basically all hanging out every night and we're painting everything. Right. Right. And that's how it's going to get done. And you have that community aspect where if you're all meeting up here and you're all doing the same thing, then it isn't a grind. Again, it's you're all hanging out and you're all painting. And what also makes it cool, too, is if you got a good enough community, you got somebody who doesn't paint well at all, Mm -hmm. but can lay down some base colors. (laughs) You get somebody else that can highlight but really doesn't like doing anything else. Man, you start that circle oh, and all the you get. You pass get the model around real fast. All those are benefits mm-hmm. big time for, for uh, the community aspect, right? Well, even then, with
4: community, like we talked earlier with uh, Vanguard Terrain, it allows, I guess, that thematic experience to grow as you grow the hobby there. Because kind of like what you've been doing for the shop of building the uh, frosted, the winter terrain, yeah. 3D printing, it allows you to be able to grow that. So then, when not just the older players are saying, "Wow, this is impressive." Especially new people that walk into the store go, what, "So, what, 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 what yeah. is that?" Like, that's how
2: you sell a game, right? Yeah, you play I, a game I, publicly yep. with painted models; it'll sell the game, and that's the trick, right?
4: Mm-hmm. And just being able to say <clears throat> some of those, because I'm sure it's like that, can grow into its own life of its own. Visually, that's impressive over any other type of hobby because it's you know somebody took time to plan, build, paint. They're investing And display, like, that's that's a serious They're passion in. and investment. Yeah. And you can't underestimate that just that impact it makes on someone new. Like, holy cow, what's this? I want to play on yeah. that.
3: Well, and what we try to do, really, the first, uh, I think, four or five months that we were open, every night that we had a certain game type that we were using, we were taking pictures of those games with the fully painted armies, all the painted terrain, on the nice tables. And every night on Facebook, you saw what games were being played at the shop. Mm-hmm. Every single night. Well, that's a Mm two. Like
2: if people and you know community building, it's sort of like uh, when people say see people playing. Yeah, they want to. They want to. Oh, I want to play too. Right? Yeah. It's 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 uh,
3: a self fulfilling prophecy. Well, and we've had guys who have literally just walked in and said, "What game do the most people play?" Right? Because they are they're they're searching for. I just want I want to be a part of a community, and it's usually you know for some people they're very outgoing, and for some people they're very introverted, but they know. The game becomes the common ground, and as long as I can plug them in, then we're we're good. So, Mike, what are some tips? We've talked a lot about
2: community building, but you and you've built lots of communities in your in, over your long exhaustive career. So, what are some what are some of your tips to to being successful in community building?
3: Kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. I think the the most important thing is that is that first game that somebody plays. I think that's probably the number one thing is them getting into the game. And feeling like it's a game that they can have fun with, not not necessarily win every time, but have fun with. So I think it's not basically crushing someone, right? Like realizing when you're getting ready to show somebody a game, it's not about you winning; it's about you enjoying the fact that someone else is starting a new game.
2: So live in the fact that it's a selfish thing that you're hopefully going to have a built-in yeah. opponent. I'm looking at Matt. You know, yeah. I mean, I play him every week.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, you know, that was an investment that was well made. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you're that's what you're really looking at. And that's a hard lesson to give some people when they're not community minded. Like I've seen guys that are like, well, i my a demo. And I'm mm. like, mm, no, we're good. I'll, I'll figure out somebody to give them a demo. And it's almost kind of mean, but I've seen people basically get a demo and then never come back in the building. Right. So to me, that's number one is do you have people who are willing to sacrifice for the long term t- goal? <laughs> Or do you have people who are looking for just that short term, you know, hit like, OK, I got to crush somebody. It's like well, you crush somebody has no idea how to play the game. So I think that's it. Like, first of all, those ambassadors, those ambassadors of the game, number one, got to pick the right ones, got to pick the right ones. They got to be willing to play um, a game of teaching and enjoyment for the other person. And I think, you know, from a shop perspective, I think the number one thing is making it easily accessible. Right. You know, Matt brought up a second ago, like him winning a raffle, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the nights that we did bolt action when we've tried to do the different leagues and stuff like that. You've seen a couple of times with Vanguard and Kings of War is, you know, if we decide to make a push with the community to say, hey, this is something we're going to do take the financial hit as a store.
2: Get them in the game.
3: Yeah, if you need to if you need to provide some discount, not we're not saying, you know, long term cuz that's not good for the overall hobby, but if you say, "Hey, for the 2 to 3 weeks, we're about ready to do 3. We're going to do 3 at the shop as we start the Vanguard, the Blood Bowl, and I think an Age of Sigmar one. We're going to roll out some offers that says, "Prepare yourself for these leagues and for these slow grows." We're going to offer a deal that then in turn, you're able to get somebody in the door and it doesn't feel as hard. We saw that with we did our 40K league when the edition dropped. We were basically like, "These start collecting boxes. We're going to sell them for this amount, mm-hmm. which is way off what they cost. We had 10, 15 guys that all yeah. signed up and about five or six. <clears> of <throat> Well, you're not going to have
2: 100% retention, but
3: yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenge as a, as a store is you got to have both those things. you got the ambassador, but then you also have it to where when that ambassador is telling them about the game and that person's really interested. It's a whole lot easier for that ambassador of, of, you know, that game playing across the table to be like, hey, you know what? We've got this coming up. There's some great deals. Now's a good time to get into the game. So that's something that, you know, we,
2: I've taken flack for. Like when we talked about community building last time is obviously we want to incentivize people to play with models they buy at the store, right? Yes. Like, You know, and so it's a fine line between being a shill and being, you know, a community builder. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Kings of War is easier than some of their games because it is figure agnostic and you, you, you sell five or six different model ranges that you could potentially use for the game, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's Warlord, Mantic, Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. All the Nolzers, all the Bones. Right, exactly. But like, like 40K, I guess you're stuck, right? It's 40K. Right.
3: I don't. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room for a space marine. And typically, right. if you if you show up with not Space Marines, they're gonna and you say it's a Space Marine, people are like, "No, bro, my Space Marine costs ten bucks." Definitely a difference in
2: the Kings of War community versus oh. some of the other communities. They're not quite as uh, yeah, accepting.
3: They're, they're more accepting, right? Yeah, Kings of War is definitely more accepting. Like I, I think I've, I've said this before, uh, is I look at some stuff and you know coming from that background, yeah, I'm like. Really? That's what you got? Which is fine. I mean, I've had to get used to that even as a store owner, you know, right? Like <clears throat> seeing the guys who come in with all 3D printed models. Yeah. <laughs> that That is really, a that. I mean, outside of this topic, that is a concern. I, I know probably a lot of shops is. We have a lot of guys who have, more blatantly, I'm not gonna buy models from a store. And you gotta find other something else to buy, but
2: there's only so many rule books you can buy, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. And I think, you know, I haven't I haven't created anything to make that an issue, you know. But that is something, you know, from a community standpoint, you have to watch out for that too. Is because all of a sudden you got a guy <clears> making <throat> a secondary living in your shop by selling 3D models. Like we had that happen on our store Discord in one of the uh, community
4: groups. I remember that. Where yeah. they were
3: like, they're starting a business and basically advertising on all my social media platforms we had to kind of contact and be like no like set your own facebook page up yeah do your own (laughs) stuff all the way off to the side like yeah because right now you're trying to openly steal
4: your business
3: yeah you know it's it's a it's a slippery it's it's a gray area it's just like you know one of those things where as a community but you do you have to watch out for that stuff too because as much as the community can be really good the community can also be Kind of bad because they can, you know, start going down those other paths. Like,
2: well, the trick is to find that balance, right? Like, with oh yeah, yeah, like buy an army, print an army, buy an army, print an, you know, find Even that. Like the round.
4: icons I made for Kings of War, I came to you. Hey, you've got the three D printers. Do you mind printing this for me? Right. So, so what Matt's talking about is he
2: actually had a sculptor sculpt a fist. Mm-hmm. Which for is a,
4: 3, a 3D Fist, which is going to be your... Indomitable Will token for, for the your, army. For your Kingdoms of Men list, mm-hmm. yeah. So then my player knows I've got Indomitable Will in this unit and doesn't <clears> it, <throat> it, has it been popped. you printed printing them. Because obviously yeah, in
2: our print. service we didn't maybe chat about in the past is that you've got 3D printers here, resin and PLA, right? Oh,
3: yeah. We have all the printers. And that and that's really where the borderline with this last issue was. It's just like, mm-hmm. dude, we, we actually do <laughs>
2: Yeah, so you're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Like a, nor, a normal store wouldn't be offering that as a service. But no. you, you're, you're like added added uh, salt to the wound right in that you could potentially be selling that customer that print right
3: oh yeah yeah and so it's an interesting one and I don't even know necessarily if that's even a great idea for a store uh, to sell the stuff oh to even have the printers and stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big time sink but for for a lot of stuff like for Matts thing it was really easy you know yeah. some people they they do they'll they'll send me a whole list of files for a whole army and everything else And I'm just like oh buddy no <laughs> we're not doing that I was like first of all you're not going to save money doing like you're only going to save money printing your own miles if you have all your own machines. Yeah. So you're still going to make an initial investment. You're going to, you're going to invest a lot up front. So make a good choice. But it, it's it for me though, to get back to like, you know,
2: community building, the Yeah.
3: community building side mm-hmm. is, you know, just having the different people, you know, bringing new ideas too. like, that's something that I think from a store can actually help out a store really, really well is people will come in, they'll get into a game, and they'll ask the question, like, you may have been a, you know, let's just say Kingdoms of Men is your main army, but you're coming into a new store. It's like, what does everybody play? Yeah. Well, right now there's three of us here and we all, I, I only play Kingdoms of mm-hmm. Men. You guys have multiple stuff. But somebody knew, like, we were doing Vanguard. So they'll play something different. They'll play something different. They'll go grab something off the shelf. Yeah. Or even some of your more tenured players that are part of that community, once they've played a certain list for a while. They'll get tired of it. They'll get tired of it. Mm -hmm. They'll jump to something else. There's talk about what's good. Yeah. You know, I Mm -hmm. see that in Discord all the time. Is like, all of a sudden, there's just this huge run on some other army. And next thing I know, I've got special orders for all this stuff. I'm like, where did this come from? Right. And that's the community. Because if you ask me again, I can't know every game. But that community starts that train down that track. And then all of a sudden, we got all kinds of stuff that we need to get at the store. Well, we're kind of wrapping up here. But what else? Well, I mean, I can. I got some other things that it's helpful yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, benefits for us, you know, too, is the terrain stuff, right? Like we talk about having great terrain, having cool stuff to build on, things like that. One of the things to try to encourage people to do, and we did this when we first opened, was Getting people to actually work on the terrain. Oh, yeah. Right? Have them come in and getting help their paint. their ideas. Mm-hmm. They yeah. help paint the Build. terrain. Mm-hmm. When we needed some different tables to be built, the community helped out with that. And what that does is it locks in that this is their house. Well, right? they invest. it's like
2: anything in life. If you have them invest. If it's if you want them yeah. to make it feel like it's their decision, you have them invest. And they feel like there's ownership in that.
3: Yep. Yep. Definitely. And I think that's one of the key things, you know, uh, going to some of the tournaments, right? Like we talk about, you know, not necessarily right now. Um, but I think that's a thing for a store to help drive that is opening up the discussions. Uh, hey guys, we're going, these guys are going to yeah. Adepticon.
2: Who's going, we got a team for Kings of War. We got a team for 40 K. What's the plan? Yeah. I'm yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Like when you connect those people, it just, it takes all those things to that next level where people don't actually get burnt out on the games. Because right. if you're just coming in here, you know every Wednesday night, that's all you're doing. You're playing your game. That's going to be cool for a while, but then you may jump to a different game. You're describing Matt. <laughs> well, but he comes right. in on Saturday. And oh, that's true. Other games days too. too. Yeah. yeah. But you add in the aspect of like, okay, now let's take it out of the Memphis area, right? Like, let's all you're to see
2: and play other people, other yeah. armies.
3: Yeah. And now you're not celebrating the fact that you're playing. Like, like we're not celebrating the fact that I beat Matt or Matt beat me we're celebrating the fact that we both went and played a bunch of people and we can talk about those other games and right. talk about mm-hmm. what happened. And we're rooting each other on in an environment where it's not one V one. And yeah. I think those are the kind of things that I I've seen the best communities where you have a big group and then you've got within that big group, that core group that will then go to events together mm-hmm. and they come back and they talk about it. And usually what happens is you get more people, next you get time. more people mm-hmm. and then you get more people And you get more people, and it roots out the people who like discourage the game because those people always be on the fringes, right? So you got your community, you got your fringe people who I find just complain about games, right? And then you got that like interior group, which is just like, hey, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna play one or two games a month. And you got that core group that's like, I'm gonna play every week. And then within that core is the ones that's like, I'm gonna travel, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna this, Mm -hmm. but they're all important. Because your fringe people usually are the ones who play multiple games. Yeah. And then inside of that, you got people that probably play one or two games. And that core group is if well, I'm one the, of those the group.
2: lifestyle gamer, right? Yeah. That it plays one big, one game,
3: mainly. And I know yeah. if I'm a fringe or if I'm on the outside group, I'm coming to you and saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this with Kings of War. Yeah. What do you think? And now I've got these experts. Right. Right. And so you've got all those different layers, which is why I think, you know, online works so well because people can go online and find the videos, but still something to be able to find one person. So so
2: you're saying communities are like onions.
3: Yeah. There's layers. (laughs) There's layers. There's layers. But I think those are all benefits um, that keep people from getting burnt out because then, too, people, you know, they want to dip their toe in those different parts of the hobby in that group. Right. They don't always want to go play the try hard, they want to go play different types of people. Yeah. And you have that ability.
2: No, but you, you make a good point with communities in stores. You've got multiple communities. And that cross-pollination actually is a self-fulfilling prophecy of keeping you from getting burned out. Because you're like, oh, I'm feeling mm-hmm. burned out. Great. Let's play some Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. let's go play whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. And you have that ability because it's all accessible. It's all here.
3: Yeah. The same and, space. And, to, and to the point of, you know, the, the variety of games, right? You may have some people that are diehard, you know, only Mantic, Kings of War, whatever – They'll jump into another game because they don't have to build or paint models. Sure. That's their break. They're like, okay, or, or I if focus yeah. on this. I'll go buy X-Wing Armada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Models yep. are pre-painted. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like I can jump into that game with no time commitment. Right. Just a financial commitment. And, oh, the store did a sale, so I'll jump in now, and yeah. then boom. You know, it's almost like you've done brain. that to yeah. us before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> Two other suckers.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly.
2: There's <laughs> well, a sucker born every day, right? So what other tips do you have for building communities and stores that we, that we didn't hit on?
4: I think we kind of hit on it, but having a tournament. Like before COVID, oh, like, make it the we map. had a tournament because yeah. what that signals to us as the community is, I'm here to stay if I want to have a tournament and I want to host this. I'm thinking of like the King of Kings of War one. We had people from all over Tennessee and Arkansas and Mississippi, Mississippi. Yeah. coming in. Is it's a flag planting of we're here to stay. This is a time or a group to invest in. Well, it's kind of the opposite and of what you said.
2: Where where you go to an event, you bring the mm-hmm. event here, right? So you're bringing yeah. in the people. You, you become the destination. You become
4: a destination, and yeah. then that just you know whatever good experiences you already have locally, you can now spread that out. So like you're saying, getting the web store up.
3: Oh yeah. I mean yeah. that
4: that just can help you further down the road of just that's planting seeds.
3: Yeah, and I think, too, um, events is big. I think that's probably you hit on the head is, you know, tournaments are one thing. I think doing the slow grow leagues is one thing. Think about right before the big shutdown. You know, we had the big plan for Star Wars. We were going to do yeah you know, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. We had to put that on hold, but doing something to where it's like, hey, this is a weekend of your game. And that's yeah. kind of what the tournaments do, where it's like, hey, not only are we we're investing in, in fact, we're giving you guys basically the store for this weekend with no other games. Yeah, it's your community stuff to do. Yeah, so that's up to you guys on how to do it. Well, that's a great way
2: though to get other people to play that game, right? Because yes. it's it, like,
3: mm-hmm. so everybody, Those people up. on those
2: those fringe players that play all those other games. They come in and say, "Damn, there's twenty people playing this this game, and uh-huh. oh, I want to try that game. That'd be fun."
4: Yeah, I mean, watching the Infinity tournament, how many guys turned out? was holy
3: cow. Yeah.
4: Where did these guys come from? I
3: mean, that was great to see so many people playing. but uh. Yeah, there's always a trickle effect. The, the nice thing is when you have those events, there's always right before the event, like the week of, there's a lot of people playing. And then right after the event, for about two weeks, there's a lot of people playing. Mm-hmm. And then it's just basically riding that wave that if you don't have a regular person coming in all the time, yeah. you don't necessarily always have that. So that's, you know, again, from a community standpoint, it's good to have your regular nights. And then it's good to have regular events. You know, if we are in a perfect world, the goal would be is you'd have your one night a week and then you'd have basically an event at least every two months. Something, some kind of event mm-hmm. that pulls that community in. Back together. That's like, this is your day. Even if there's only like people. This six is your people. day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put banner up and say that. I mean, but Today that's the truth. Know. Like, yeah, no. you, you literally, it doesn't have to be 20 people. <clears throat> it can be six. And you just tell yeah. those six people, it's like, hey. We're still we're still gonna promote your stuff. Like this is your day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This is your your
2: event to like. Well, yeah. I don't think the size of the community matters. No, like, in the sense no, of no. how. Yeah. I mean,
4: like we had one. What was it? Six people for Kings of War. It was. I'm gonna say it was October. We did a little narrative. It wasn't a huge tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, for our narrative event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't huge, but I mean, it was still. It's Kings of War day, and it was a good day. I mean
3: yeah. you'd you new players. You'd guys who had only played like three games that mm-hmm. decide to yeah. show up.
4: Those are kind
2: of the best though in the sense that it's not competitive, right? So yeah. like the, it, it decreases the burden on people, the nervousness of just show up. It's not it's just for fun. Yeah. Just not not keeping score.
3: Well, and you bring up the good point. Like I don't want to deter from the fact of like when I say events, like from a community <clears throat> standpoint, yeah. you've got you have what what I find is if you're doing something for your local community, have an event where winning isn't the big prize. Right when you're having something just to have a tournament, try to get the community to help you with the tournament. Like, especially if you think people are going to come in from outside. Like, if we ever are able to, you know, we've talked about I want to get a GT level size event back in Memphis that has multiple game systems, everything. That's one of my goals. One of my goals by the end of the year is we have enough of a community here that we've got enough people to help us make that happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, that's what we've cultivated. We've got enough people to where we can have people run these different events and then bring their own community together to make the event happen because now everybody owns it. Like, so when we celebrate the fact that we were able to accomplish this, you're able to now to say, no, it wasn't one person. It was... 20 people that all accomplished this event Mm -hmm. and again all those different wins makes people take ownership in the overall process because i think there's a lot of people who say the war room is their store
0: yeah not mm -hmm. their
3: store to go play they say no this is their store i've had people tell me who the owner of the store is before yeah how much they've talked about it yeah and it's not me sometimes, <laughs> that's awesome. which is funny. But I don't care, and I don't. I, those people I don't usually correct. I just laugh at them after they leave. But it's like that's really cool to, for somebody to have the conversation outside of. Well, here the community say. has a
2: sense of ownership. Right? Yeah, it's like
3: that's yeah. my store. This is what we did. Like when we built this store, which was awesome. You no, know, not even playing games. We had ten guys. Yeah. Who were literally in ninety degree weather putting shelves, grinding the, yeah. metal, painting tables. All for a store that was supposed to open two months before and kept getting pushed back. Right. And so, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, you can't really ask for more of. And, and just how you are successful overall is people willing to put in the time. And they fluctuate. The key is to have a big enough group so that when somebody's life gets in the way or they, they have burned out or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's what, you know, will keep everything going.
4: Exactly. Final thoughts? I think we've hit everything really. I mean, because that's a lot of what impressed me and made me, like you said, made War Room my store, is all that. You've got multiple people. So I know if Kings of War, if Rob's not here on Saturday, I got Bowen, Swatley. I mean, there's a host of people that I can rely on being here, that I can get a game, I can learn something new, or there's going to be something that's going to happen.
3: Yeah, and what's good is you're going to be here, too. Like and then you you
4: just oh, of the fact that you're part of that, right? here. Oh, uh, yeah.
3: Well, but that's it. Like, and that's <laughs> yeah, the thing that mm. you try to get across to everybody who wants to have the community. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part. That's my challenge to anybody who wants a community. If you want a community, even if you're not the main guy, you gotta drive it. Be help, the one yeah. who's there consistently. Because when the main guy can't be there, you wanna have that opportunity for somebody. Well, else. and
2: it should be bigger than one person, right? It should. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
3: it should. And when you get there, instead of it being there's one person to play there's a choice right mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. people that they're not going to play the new guy you just know that but people are playing yeah right yeah. and i think those are the those are the things you know when someone says to me they're trying to do this community thing you know but they're not the main person they're not this you don't have to be the main person just show up yeah mm-hmm. show up be your part find your role i was i think i was 15 years old when i was going up to the shop every saturday locally to go play 40k Within about three years, I was the consistent one who was now in charge of it. I didn't go up there to be in charge of it. I just showed up because I knew there was three or four people mm-hmm. there to play, and people just take their roles. And what was great, I left for four. I left for seven years for my local scene to go to college, grow up a little bit, and then got to come back. And fortunately for me, I walked back in, and the same thing we started was still going on. There was a group playing the same game. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And I came back into it. And we were able to just continue that on. And that's, you know, everybody's gotta do their part. I Think that's good to take us out. Everybody keep countercharging. Thanks for
0: listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War Podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.